little pressure to follow that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Margie. That was amazing to hear and just to see how uh, God can use us if we just let him. Well, I was listening to the message a few times last week. 20-minute mark. That's your claim to fame. Passed it on to some guys from Soli Business, and they were like, wow, wow. So I was amazed. Thank you so much for sharing and letting God use your testimony to minister to so many people. And the whole weeping thing, it's once you begin to weep, it just comes like all the time. So <laughs> just get used to it. Carry Kleenex. It just becomes a whole way of life. It's really quite easy. I was also following Dan's message, because it took me just a few times to actually, not because it wasn't a great message, but because I just really wanted to grasp what was being said and following through on the book of Acts. And I was really taken by the fact that I don't need the gift of evangelism to evangelize. I don't need the gift of giving to give. It's so practical. What I do need is the empowering of the Holy Spirit and to live this out in the fullness of God's Spirit in me and through me, and it just flows out of me when I'm filled with something, you can't contain me with it. You just can't contain it. And um, so the summary of my, I don't know if you said this or not, Dan, but my summary was I just constantly ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Just keep me full, keep me full. Don't let me run dry. Just keep me full, keep me overflowing. And then I was challenged to pray for who can I now sow a seed and pray for and, you know, sometimes it's just intentionality. I've just not been challenged to do that. And so then my focus is on that. You ever look for a, a car, and you're going to buy a car, and all of a sudden you see all these cars, and they're all like, wow, isn't that incredible? Or you're looking at a new roof, and you see all these new roofs, and you just pay attention to what your mind is focusing in on. If we begin to focus in on evangelizing to a neighbor, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm really starting to pay attention, or a family member, and it just puts our, our focus there. So, here we go, today. Well, after chapter 2, you did skip ahead to 18 and another passage, but I was kind of following along chapter 1 and 2, and I thought, what comes after 2 is chapter 3. So, I followed chapter 3. Oh, Nazareth's going to try to follow me. <laughs> We're going to focus on chapter 4. I'll just give you a heads up, just kind of... Threes all over the place, willy-nilly, bits and pieces, and you'll never find it. Well, you might. It's your challenge. But anyway, I was, I was quite impressed by reading chapter 3 because, um, you know I, know, I know a Bible story, and I, I, I know the story, and so I go to read the story, and it's like, yeah, I, I know this. But then all of a sudden, I start looking at behind the story and realizing I really don't know much about this story. And I'm I don't think it's an aging thing that I've forgotten it. I think I've never really paid attention to the context of this story. Now I'm starting to pay attention to, wow, how did this actually happen? So I was captured by the story of Peter and John in chapter 3, and they were praying for the, the man who was lame from birth. And I, I honestly was in this all week, and, and I originally thought I was going to go down this track with this story, and then I was going to go down this track, and then last night it was this, and this morning I was like, wow, look at that. Come on, buddy. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Anybody that can follow me has a gift of something. It's amazing, so thank you. Anyway, I was, uh, I was quite captured by the story, and I want to share with you kind of the setup 
for the healing and what the healing did. I always wonder, when I read a story like this, if Peter and John actually knew what was going to happen when they started to journey into the temple. And I, I, I must confess, I seldom ever know exactly what I'm doing. And sometimes I forget what I'm doing. And sometimes my wife will say to me, honey, do you even know where you're going? And I'm just so lost in space and enjoying the moment. I'm traveling down a road and thinking, I don't even know where I'm going right now. But I'm enjoying it. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So I just, I recognize that I never quite know where something's going to wind up. Like this message. Like, where will it wind up? You don't know and I don't know, but we're going to see where this goes. And Dan, I had a little bit of humor on this one because I thought, I think that's why I like working with you. Because sometimes me more than you really don't know where something's going to go. But it always just, we walk and we listen and the Holy Spirit just puts it together for us, like in kind of amazing ways, right? I was saying that in a positive spin. It wasn't like we don't know what we're doing. We're just <laughs> trusting the Lord to help us figure out what we're doing. All right, so you get the idea. So they're on their way to the temple, Peter and John. And they meet a man who has been lame from birth, and he's sitting at the gate of the temple. Well, he sits there all the time. So have they seen him before? We don't know. But he's obviously a fixture, and this man, who doesn't have a name, he sits there and he begs for money. And today was no different. Peter and John are walking by. Now, what I found fascinating is that the believers actually went to the temple. These followers of Christ, the followers of the way, went to the temple where they probably were not overly welcome, and they went to worship and they went to pray. And it seems like they went quite boldly. Well, on their way, three o'clock prayer, they come across this man who's asking Peter and John for money, and their answer is not at all what he was expecting, but was going to transform him. He asked for money, and Peter said, look at us. I just thought that was interesting, just even that verse. Look at us. Focus in. Don't look at all of this. Look at us. I don't know the importance of that, but it just caught my attention, so he looked. And Peter replies, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But this part of the verse, I, I promise you, I don't know why it's impacting me so much. But it says, but I'll give you what I have. That's ownership. That's not a verse. That's not a little booklet. This is what I have. And I am going to give to you what I have. That means it's in me. It's through me. It's everything about me. See, I can't stop talking. It comes natural. It's beautiful. Without words. I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Do you think in a moment that guy was expecting that? I'll give you everything I've got. Great. <laughs> give me more than money. Give me a house. Give me something. No. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I love the story. It said that he was, you know, Peter helped him up just a little bit just to get up because he had never walked. So how do you even do this, right? 
but he quickly caught on, and it said that he was, um, <laughs> he, he stood up on his feet, he began to walk, and then he began to not only walk, but he began to leap and praise God. And then he went into the temple with Peter and John. Well, I'm sorry, I was raised in a really, really conservative background, some of you were too. And anybody that made the slightest emotional anything was frowned upon, like really frowned upon. And we just thought they're not one of us because they make noise. They should go to the church down the street that makes noise. We don't make noise. We're quiet. And I just pictured the temple. They don't make noise there. They're not used to somebody coming in, jumping and leaping and praising God. Awkward. But it wasn't. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us this, but because of what was in Peter and because of what he had done and because of what he had seen, I don't think he cared. He was fearless, walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. Who cared? I'm not sure, to be honest, where I would have been. I know where I'd want to be. But it might be like, shh, shh, just tone it down a little. But that's fear of man. And here is this guy. He's been lame all his life. Give him some space. In the name of Jesus, he rose up and walked. Okay? Let him dance. Let him shout. Let him do whatever he wants. And it does raise a bit of commotion. There is some notice to this, which is obvious that there would be some, you know, commotion going on. So Peter seizes the opportunity to proclaim. And he says to them, it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, he's speaking directly to the God that they worship. It is this God who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this speaks right to the core of everything they believe and says, it is this God who has done this. And I love chapter 3, verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. I'm reminded of something that happened to me in my early journey. As I said, I was raised in a very conservative um, we, we didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying this with the utmost of respect. My father was a full-time worker. I love the way I was raised, but I was on a journey to find something deeper. And my father, just before he died, he gave me the keys to go to Pentecostal church. And he said, until you're satisfied with what we believe, you need to keep searching. It's the only time my father blessed me. But he gave me permission to seek out something more. And I did. It didn't fit anybody else's experience. It didn't fit anything, but Lord, I just felt enveloped in the love of God, in the presence of God. You heard Dan's testimony. I was the most broken person in the world, and the love of God met me and filled me. It's interesting, because I went off to a little Bible school in Chicago where I met Linda, Hi, honey. I said I wouldn't say hi to you, but you knew I, I would anyway. And I met her, and she and I were friends, and, but just friends. 
because we had differing views at that point of the Holy Spirit, and I was scared to tell her where I really felt, and she was scared to ask me how she really felt, and we're in this little conservative Bible school. But when I came back, the elders of this local church, whom I love dearly, my dad had passed away. They were supporting my mom. But I just thought, Lord, I can't go back. I, I don't know what to do, but I can't go back. I don't want to lose what you've given me. Yet I want to respect and honor what had been given. So one night, the Lord gave me a very specific dream. Never had a dream in my life. Gave me a very specific dream and gave me instructions as to what I should do. And the next day, two of the elders met with me. <laughs> what timing. See, I didn't, I'm not kidding when I often don't know what to do. But God is faithful to direct by his spirit when we need to know. So that day I met with this leadership. And they said to me the most interesting line. They said, you have something that we desperately need, but cannot accept because of our theology. And I felt released. From that time on, we had great fellowship, friendship, and I moved up here to Ottawa a few weeks after that and started a very different life. Well, you can imagine what this was like at the temple for this man who was lame, now dancing and jumping and exuberantly praising God, and he goes in. The religious leaders are really ticked off. Now, isn't that interesting? that the religious leaders are ticked off because this man was healed? I find that fascinating. But why were they ticked off? Because they were threatened by this name of Jesus, the risen Christ. They were threatened by the power that these men had, the message of the risen Christ. It threatened their structure. They had influence. They had power. So they had Peter and John arrested for this crime, the crime of healing a lame man and proclaiming that it was Jesus that did so. Not only did they proclaim that Jesus had done this, but they also told everybody that they needed to repent. Which, you know, that, that's probably not the most comforting thing to hear. Like, hey, you need to repent, and this is the name. I mean, just... just Cut everything to the core here with what you're saying. And chapter 4, verse 5, is it going to just pop up there? Because that, that'll just, I'll read along with you. This is amazing. Margaret, thank you. So the next day, the council and all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Now, let's just pause here for a second. Do you think they didn't know? I mean, come on. <laughs> by what power? You know what power. You've heard the commotion. You've heard what's happened. By what power or in whose name have you done this? What an interesting question to ask. You ask that question because you're threatened by the name. Oh, go on. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, leaders and elders of our nation, are we being questioned because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? 
let me clearly state to you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man you crucified, but God raised from the dead. Wow. For Jesus, let's do, this is great. I don't even know where we are. But, oh, is that 11? For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. What a reply. By what power? In whose name? They knew. But I loved how the scripture just says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, replied. I have replied not filled with the Holy Spirit, and seen some very unsuccessful responses. But I boast in Jesus that there have been times where I have waited and known the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and spoken truth and seen very strong reactions, sometimes negatively. But often you see the fruit of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love how Peter boldly proclaims, it was in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this happened. He boldly proclaims the gospel. Nothing's holding him back because of he's so filled with the Holy Spirit. What a testimony of the Spirit's infilling in a man. What I love is their, the religious leaders their response. And in verses 13 to 15, it says that they were amazed at the boldness of Peter and John. They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. See, that is offensive because they had all the training. They had all the wisdom. They had everything. They were perfect in their eyes. And here are these fishermen, these, this ragtag band with no training no special skill set, comes boldly proclaiming Jesus. And if I remember correctly, one of these two at the crucifixion even denied he knew Jesus. <laughs> what has happened to these men? They couldn't answer it. They were ordinary men. And he wasn't afraid. They weren't afraid. They were fearless in their proclamation. And I love this line. And they recognize that these men had been with Jesus. What does that look like? What does it look like to be with Jesus? There's just something we know about people that have been with Jesus. There's something that our spirit bears witness to. They become people that we trust. They become people that we open up to. They become people that, that are safe, that there's something deeper about them. And we talk about evangelism, but people that have been with Jesus are like magnets for those that are seeking the truth. There's a hunger, and they recognize. They don't know necessarily what it is, but they recognize there's something going on in that man's life. So in spite of the religious leaders' threats and pressure, Peter and John were undeterred. I mean, they were, 
the, le- the leaders were throwing their best at Peter and John, and they just were not biting the spear thing. They just kept popping up and saying, no, we proclaim Christ. We are fearless of all of you. They're in the priests and Sadducees' domain. The, the captain of the guard has come to arrest them. They should be fearful, but they're boldly proclaiming this encounter they've had with the living Christ and that they've spoken the name of Jesus and this man has risen and been healed. So Peter's reply says, we cannot stop. We cannot stop proclaiming this Christ. I didn't know where to go with this, to be honest. I was going all over the place and just thinking, Lord, what are you saying to me? So I'm not going to make it about you. I want to just share what he's saying to me, and I believe you can relate. This morning I got up and I was reading my most first highest, and at the bottom of it, it has words of wisdom from Oswald Chambers, and it says, we interpret what we see or read in the light of what we believe. We interpret what we see in the light of what we believe. See, I want to take a passage like this and say these were, these were exclusive, uh, whatever the word would be, different times than they are now because these guys walked with Jesus. They saw the whole deal, right? And so I went to bed last night thinking, you know, I mean, they did have that advantage. They were there. They saw the whole thing happen. They saw the Holy Spirit come. I mean, we're thousands of years later. But then I still get stuck asking myself the question, Doug, what do you believe? Do I personally believe in the power of the name of Jesus? If I see a lame man sitting day after day at the entrance to Farrell Hall, would it ever cross my mind to say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and be healed? I promise you I'm not trying to guilt you. These are questions I just ask me. Do I believe it's even possible. And my mind, I'll say, yeah, I do. But my actions actually play out what, what my mind really believes. And as I was reading this and as I was studying it, I was thinking, Lord, I'm really getting challenged myself. So last night, I'm praying. I'm at the stage in life where I humorously let my kids tell me what I need to remember. And so I wrote a note, and I forgot to look at the note. And 2 o'clock in the morning, I thought, oh, my daughter, just as she was leaving yesterday, she said, Dad, don't forget you left your windows open in the car. No, honey, I won't forget. I'm writing myself a note. Well, notes don't do it. A bit of good if you don't look at the note. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and I thought, oh, no. I think it might actually rain. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But my windows are all down in the car, and I'm going to use that car to come here this morning. And I got out 2 o'clock in the morning in my PJs and turned my car on and shut my windows. Well, that kind of woke me up a little bit. The other thing that wakes me up a little bit is we have a woodpecker that's trying to get through my neighbor's tin roof, metal roof. Like after two days, you think, are you getting the point? Nothing's happening. But it just endlessly pecks. So when I think I can sleep in, bang, 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 bang. And I'm thinking, are you allowed to shoot those things? Probably not, but I live in Beckwith. Anything that moves that you can shoot, so we have to look after ourselves. So anyway, I woke up 2 o'clock 
Romans 6, 10 to 11 came to my mind. And I can't argue with this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within me. Yes, they experienced Christ in a different way. But Jesus did say, when the Spirit comes, you're going to do greater things. You're going to see more because there's thousands of us with the Spirit of Christ in us. You're going to see more. So I began to ask myself this morning, Lord, could you give me that same boldness? Could you empower me with the Holy Spirit with that same boldness so I don't fear evangelism, so I don't fear your presence, so I don't fear your power, so I don't fear people leaping, dancing, and praising God? Could you empower me so that people would say about Doug, he's an ordinary man, he's unschooled, but I recognize that he has been with Jesus. This is not a five-star message. I went to one year of Bible school. I failed Old Testament. I talked to my now wife all the time and passed notes. And all the pomegranate bells of the priests and the Levites, sheesh, I'd rather just pass notes. So I didn't do very well. It's the only course I ever failed in my life was at Bible school. So I'm, I'm, I'm classified unschooled. But here's what I do know. I recognize that the Holy Spirit can take this word and make it come alive. I recognize that this week I can begin to read Acts 3 and just think, oh, I should just read it because we've just done Acts 2. 2, 3, sounds logical, and after 3 comes 4. So I'm reading it, but totally not aware of the impact this is going to have on my life. Where I found myself last night, in bed, my wife's asleep, and I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and fill me. Every part of me, come and fill me. Come and fill me with your power. I surrender fear of man. I surrender background that I still hold on to. I surrender not fully knowing you. I surrender to the mystery of what it's like to be empowered by you. I surrender and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I want to believe in the name of Jesus. I do, but I want to believe it more. I want to believe in that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is indeed inside of me and that I can live this out in its fullness. I don't want this to just be occasional moments. It's day by day by day by day. Scripture does not record all the things that happen in the New Testament. But it was day by day by day, moment by moment. It wasn't just little bits of time. So my response, come. How do I spend time with Jesus? I find it fascinating that we've been learning how to abide. I abide in his word. I abide in his presence. I listen. I pray. I quote scripture. I invite him to come and fill me. In closing, a lot of this was so new to me. One day I was sitting, talking to a guy, and I just began to talk about the name of Jesus. And I'll say this in a way that's 
suitable for some of the younger kids. But he said, stop. Stop saying that name. I can't stand, I can't breathe as you say that name. I didn't stop. I couldn't stop. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. And I want to know more and more and more. And I pray the same for you as well. May he come and fill you with his presence. May each of us be the fragrance of Christ so that everybody who meets us, we're not trying to do it, but rather we're living in it. We've been with Jesus, and it's evident. Lord Jesus, I pray that anything that has not been in any way encouraging will just be forgotten. If I did say anything like that, I don't want to level any, any guilt. I don't want to level anything but just the invitation that you've given me and that you give us to come and let you fill us and to invite you to fill us and fill us and keep filling. An ongoing living and dwelling in you and you and us, fully aware of it. Lord, I pray against distractions. I pray against things that would take us away from you and your presence. I pray that in these moments and days that we still have today, that we will live in the fullness of what you've given us. Lord, I'm reminded of what Jose heard at that solely business about the man who knows he's dying and has only got today and maybe a few more days or months, but is living out of the fullness of this day that you have given him. Feeding on your daily bread, feeding on your love, abiding and living in you. May this be who we are as disciples of you. Disciples, ones who are alive, filled with you, and speaking and living the very essence of you in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Spirit, I pray that you will continue to challenge us with your truth, the truth of the words of Jesus, the truth of your word. I pray that you will continue to challenge us with where you want to lead us, and your standard. Reveal your truth, I pray, to each of us. May we be fully followers of you, Jesus. Amen. Take over from here. Are you okay to take over from here? I'm kind of back. I'm going to celebrate Jesus as we always do. I'm going to be with him. The elements are in the back. There's no better way to know Jesus than by remembering what he's done for us. This is where we celebrate and worship his goodness, his love.
This morning, if you don't know him, well, between Margie's testimony, giving us the gospel, and Doug, you can know him. We're all full of sin. But he has come and died for us to forgive us of that junk. We simply have to believe, trust, and accept that gift. We are free. Amen. That's what we're celebrating this morning. And if you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that. And for us as believers, what a great time to think of him and grow in him. And as we get the elements, just continue to in that state. Jesus, thank you. I need more and more of you each and every day. I need you, Lord. Remind us this morning that we're forgiven, we're loved, and empower us to speak your truth in your name. We're going to sing quietly, respectfully, get the elements. If you need prayer during communion, I'll be at the back. Ask Doug to be at the back too. We'd love to pray for you and then hold the elements and we'll partake together.
my sins are forgiven, my future is heaven, I praise God for what he's done, and I praise God for what he's done, say that one more time, what he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sin is forgiven, my future is heaven, I praise God. For what he's done, and I praise God for what he's done. Thank you, Jesus. Remember you this morning. Would you be encouraged to remember Jesus this morning? His body broken, that you would be whole. We give thanks. so thankful this morning. Let's take the bread together. The blood of Jesus, the new covenant. He will remember our sin no more. They've been paid for. If you're struggling with something you've done this week and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ or last week, would you know the truth that you are forgiven? There's no need to remember your sin if you've confessed it and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because he doesn't. Praise the Lord. Let's take the juice together. If that's real to you, you've got a lot to share, you know. Like as Doug said, is that real to you? you got a lot to share. All right, this morning we do want to pray. I know we started a little late, so kids will be okay. Just one instruction this week as we pray. I just want groups of three or four. I don't want groups of 15 or 10 or 8, sorry. But I think we get more accomplished in a shorter time in a smaller group. So get in groups of three or four um, and pray. Just another encouragement. You don't have to tell everybody how your week was. I want you to be praying for one another. Let's do that now together. <laughs> 